I'm going to speak today out of Matthew chapter 4. I'm going to discuss the, the temptations of Jesus. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4, reading from verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and he said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The scriptures say that on the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried out saying, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scriptures said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Jesus comes and he says, in him there is something that you would not find other places. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And it says, he became hungry. And in the midst of that physical hunger, the devil comes to him and says, turn these stones into bread if you're hungry. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is the scriptures, it is the word of God that speaks to our hearts and gives us life. He is calling us to something that is life itself. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we're going to start reading in Deuteronomy chapter 2 at verse 45. Moses had been teaching Israel for 40 years. Forty years of instruction. How do you summarize forty years of instruction? How do you do it? And Moses summarizes it in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 45. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all Israel, he said to them, Take to your heart all the words with which I am warning you today which you shall command your sons to observe carefully, even all the words of this law, for it is not an idle word for you. Indeed, it is your life. It's not an idle word. It is your life. The Scriptures are our life. The Word of God is our life. You go a day without eating, and you will feel weak. You go a few days without eating, and you'll feel very weak. Yet we will starve ourselves from the Word of God and become emaciated and then wonder why is it there is no substantial difference between my life and the life of people in this world that don't know God. Why is it? Jesus said, man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The Scriptures are so clear. It is not an idle word for us. It is our life. The Scriptures are our life. And again and again, it gives us the pattern for drawing us into our life. It is the Scriptures. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, it says, 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but in it you shall meditate day and night, so that you may be careful to do all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. The Scriptures puts it in the terms of day and night. How often do you eat? Day and night. The Scripture says you take this Word of God and you take it day and night. And I wonder, we wonder why we are weak. Go without eating for a few days. You're going to wonder why you're weak? No, you'll know immediately why you're weak. The Scripture says, this is our life. It is our life. How blessed is the man, it says in Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does he prospers. You eat day and night, you'll be strong. You take the Word of God day and night, you'll be strong. There is a promise of blessing that comes from God by taking His Word day and night. There is no promise for three days a week. Maybe there's a blessing, maybe there isn't, I don't know. The promise is for every day. Every day. This is what the Scriptures say. Believe it! We take this seriously. It is not an idle word for us. It is our life, the Scriptures say. Jesus said, you live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And this is what shall make you different. Psalm 119, verse 97 says, Oh, how I love your word. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. And I have more insight than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Again, every single day, the word of God. The blessing is for every day. He comes to Jesus when Jesus is physically starving. He was hungry. And Jesus said, don't forget the Word of God. This is how man shall live, by the Word of God. Have we ever wondered why we are so weak? Maybe we are starved on the Word of God. Maybe we are starved from taking the Word of God every day. Shortly after I came to the Lord in the 1970s, I started reading the Scriptures every day. I start in Genesis chapter 1. I read through Revelation chapter 22. When I'm done, I start again. And I read where I left off the night before. The Scriptures are clear. This will bring a substantial change in your life. Take the Word of God. Take it seriously. Psalm 112 says, Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in His commandments. His children will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. If not for yourself, how about for your children? You want to see them blessed? And you want to see them mighty on this earth? The Scriptures promise how this can happen. You delight yourself in the Lord... Make it your delight. 
Jesus used this word again and again to reach people. He used this word. And he engaged with society in contradistinction to the way society was at that time. Through the Word of God. Turn, turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. This is this famous portion where he is speaking with a Samaritan woman. We're going to start reading in verse 7. John chapter 4, verse 7. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink? Since I am a Samaritan woman. For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus then answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. It says so beautifully the way John does this. John juxtaposes light and darkness. One of his sub-themes is light and darkness throughout the Word of God that he's written in, in, in the Gospel of John. And it says, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, boom! Right there, back to back. The culture said, don't engage with them. They are our enemies. Jesus answered and said to her. Jesus used the Word of God to engage the people of the world. In contrast to his society, the scriptures clearly tell us that the culture of that day forbade him from engaging with a Samaritan. And not only that, with a Samaritan woman, no less. He was not supposed to do that. Now we see what Jesus thinks of cultural norms when it comes to the exclusion of people. My enemy is not his enemy. If God starts to hate my enemy, then I realize that I have made God in my image. He uses the Word of God to engage people. You want to understand how to engage people? Get in the Word of God. You show me a man or a woman who every day will spend hours in the Word of God, I will show you someone who is very strong. The Scripture is our life. Look at the way Jesus engaged with this woman. Verse 15 of John chapter 4. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way to draw. And he said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You've correctly said I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. 
the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Jesus says to her, Go call your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus could well have said, You tramp. You've had five husbands, and now you're living with a man who's not your husband. But that's not what he said. He said, You have answered correctly. I have no husband. Because you've had five husbands. They're not your husbands anymore. And the man you're now with is not your husband. This you have said truly. You've said correctly. You said truly. He took her lie and he turned it into a truth. Look at how gracious this man is. He took her lie and he turned it into a truth. He said, you're absolutely right. You have spoken truly. Huh? Look at how gracious Jesus is, especially to the sexual sinner. Especially. That our religious society will turn and think that somehow that is the worst. Jesus was especially merciful to the sexual sinner. If you deal with sexual disorder, my brother, my sister, I do not condemn you. You go to my website, jmtour.com, Go, or just Google Jim Tour. Go to the personal topic section, audio files, series messages, scriptural sexual ethics. Listen from part one to part six in that order. 30 minute lessons, three and a half hours total. If you struggle in your young marriage and the bedroom has become hell on earth, listen to that from beginning to end with your spouse. Take hold of it. It will change you. Because God is especially merciful. He uses the Word of God to engage the world. He didn't condemn this woman. Those whom He attacked were the religious, never the sexual sinner. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 4. Start reading from verse 5. Then the devil took him, Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. What does Jesus do? The first time He was tempted, He said to the devil, It is written. The Scriptures gave Him the basis upon which to oppose the enemy. The Scriptures give the basis again. But interestingly enough, look who's quoting Scripture. Satan is quoting Scripture. He says, it is written, He will command His angels charge concerning you. On their hands they will bear you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus replies back, it is written. And He starts quoting the Scriptures. Interestingly enough, Satan didn't quote the next verse in Psalm 91, which says, and He will tread upon the lion and the cobra. The young lion and the cobra, He will trample down. The Messianic Psalm. 
Jesus said to him, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. A young man came to me a few weeks ago. Fine young man. He said, I'm praying for an Elijah experience. I said, what do you mean? He said, I've just been praying so much that, like Elijah, I'd just be able to look up and see the chariots of fire surrounding us. And I said, you don't need that. He has given us His Son. He has given us so more, so much more than a chariot of fire. He has given us His Son. Reveals Himself to Thomas. He says, Thomas, you wanted to see me? Here I am. Come, stick your finger into the holes in my hand. Stick your hand into my side. And be not unbelieving, but believing. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He said, Thomas, now you've seen me, now you believe. Blessed is he who has not seen me and yet believes. We are more blessed if we don't see him. Because he gives us everything we need to believe. He gives us everything we need to believe in his physical resurrection from the dead. He's placed that within the hearts of men and women. He gives us everything we need to believe in him. Everything. You think, well, if I could just see, then I would believe. That's a lie. Look at the testimony of Scripture. It says the disciples saw him after his resurrection, and they didn't believe it. So it had to be a ghost. Couldn't be him. What makes you think that seeing you would believe? You know how crazy our minds are? We would see, and then we, a few hours later, we'd say, you know, I, I really was very tired. It was just a, you know, in my mind, vision, daydreaming. It happens to me. You will quickly pass away things of, of, of seeing. You will qu- quickly explain it away. The foundation of truth will come through the Word of God. He has given us everything we need. You read the Scriptures, it will raise your faith. You show me one that will spend daily time in the Scriptures wrestling, saying, Lord, speak to me, speak to me. And I will show you one who is strong. When I was discipled, the man who discipled me, Dr. T.E. Koshi and Brother Bhat Singh, he said, you pick up the Word of God and you say, Lord, speak to me. Make it come alive to me. Whatever the passage, it can be the genealogies, He speaks to me. And I love it. I love it. Every passage, I love it. People say, what's your favorite book? It's so hard for me to decide. Who's your, what, which of your four children do you like the most? I love this word. Let's move on. Verse 8. And the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Go, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Jesus said, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Again, he was quoting scripture. Satan brings him up onto a high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. 
He said, I'll give you everything if you fall down and worship me. Misery is not being without something. Misery is getting the thing that we've longed for and realizing that it has no fulfillment. Your wife will never fully fulfill you. Your husband will never fully fulfill you. It is in the worship of God and serving Him only that we will be fulfilled. Few people that I know love their work more than I do. I love my work. I love my research. I love my teaching. And the reason I go home in the evening is because I'm tired and hungry, not tired of my work. But I am fulfilled in Jesus, in the worship of Him and the service of Him. And because of that, my work is deeply fulfilling to me. It is in the worship of God and the service of Him only that we will be fulfilled. Look in Luke chapter 7. We're going to start reading from verse 36. Luke seven thirty-six. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. In the New Testament, the word sinner, when it's used by the religious, is a euphemism for a prostitute. This woman was a prostitute. Jesus was in the house of a Pharisee. And she came in with the entourage that was coming in to see Jesus. I'm sure she wasn't normally welcomed there. He's reclining at the table, so the tables were low, the feet were out. You're up on one elbow, and there's the Passover, the table. And you can see this in, a, in an Orthodox home on the Passover. But it's the low table. This wasn't the particularly the Passover, but that's how often they ate. So his feet are back away from the table. And she comes in, and she starts weeping. And she starts anointing his feet, and she's kissing his feet, and wiping the tears that have fallen on his feet with her hair. Did you know, when you're weeping like that, what happens? Just all sorts of fluids start coming out. Saliva from the nose start falling out. You know, these sinner women, these prostitutes have lots of diseases. And all these fluids are falling all over Jesus. And He is loving it. The amazing thing is not that He went to sinners. It's that sinners enjoyed being with Him. 
Because He never condemned them. And the Pharisee, it says, the Pharisee who had invited Him in verse 39, who saw this, he said to himself, the Pharisee didn't even express it, he just said it to himself. If this man were a prophet, he'd know what sort of person this woman is who's touching him. He would know what sort of, and who she is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And so Jesus then goes on to tell a story. And Jesus said, he said Simon, I have something to tell you. And he replied, say it, teacher. A moneylender had two debtors and one owned 500 denarii and another 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which one of them will love him more? Simon answered and then said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? So you see, she was still at his feet, worshipping him. He says, I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she's wet wet my feet with her feet, wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. Then he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. What a beautiful picture of worship. She is just enjoying the Lord. And the Lord is loving it. She's not singing. She's just weeping and kissing His feet. And she's worshiping Him and anointing Him. He said, your sins are forgiven. She wasn't even asking for forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. You're taken care of. In the worship of God, we will find fulfillment in the worship of God. In the worship of God, there is fulfillment. You spend time with Him in His Word and praising Him for His Word. I look up from His Word, I say, Lord, this is beautiful. What a picture. Who could have thought of this but you? What a beautiful picture. And you worship God and you thank Him. And it doesn't stop there. The Scriptures say, in the worship of God, you shall worship God and serve Him only. Turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. We're going to start reading from verse... 25, John chapter 12, verse 25. He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. 
You want God the Father to honor you? Serve Jesus. Be about His work. If you can't spend a couple of hours a week, a week, serving Him and reading your own Bible, is a duty not the type of service He's talking about? You do something that stretches you. Whether it's working in the nursery, wherever your gifts are, or working in some capacity, and you will be fulfilled. Everything in the world and all its kingdom were offered to Jesus. He said you could have it all. Jesus said, that will never bring me fulfillment. It will come only in the worship of God and in serving Him. We worship and we serve. And in that there is fulfillment. Love is never a picture of dominance. And even in a marriage, when it comes to the right understanding that I serve you, if this word, if this thought, if this action is not in the other's best interest, it is not the love of God. And this is why, if you are not married, and you are in a physical relationship with someone, that is not in their best interest, it is not a picture of love, and you will never have that sense of innocence that God created in the beginning. For the man and woman were naked and unashamed. You will never know this innocence outside the bonds of a proper marriage. And you will never understand this until you understand that is a total self-donation, one for the other, in your best interest, that which pleases you. And in that, you will be fulfilled. In that, you will be fulfilled. That same teaching on scriptural sexual ethics teaches that. There is fulfillment in the worship of God and service of Him only. And it can only be gotten through worship and service of Him. Let's pray. Abba, I pray You come and You touch the hearts and You minister Your life. Your life I speak into them by the power of God fall upon them, I pray thee. Father, I pray for the young marriages that are struggling here. That through the Word of God, there would be relief. Father, I pray that you restore them to be healthy and strong. That you take these hurting women and come alongside of them and breathe life into this, their marriage. That you would take these men that are so bound up with lust. And Father, that You would come and minister Your kind love to them as You do to those who have those sort of struggles. Abba, I pray here for those that have become emaciated because of a lack of Your Word. That this day they would start to pick up Your Word every day 
and meditate on it. Father, I pray against the spirit of self-indulgence which causes them to neglect Your Word. But they, we, they would change this day by picking up Your Word and seeing the truth of the Scriptures drop upon them. Father, for those here that do not know You, I pray Thee, O God, that their souls would be saved, that You would draw them to Jesus, who is Lord, who has risen from the dead. And repeat with me, if you do not know the Lord, pray with me, Lord Jesus, forgive me, because I am a sinner, and come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your forgiveness. Jesus has risen from the dead. This I believe. Thank you, my Lord. For the glory of God, I offer this to you, Lord Jesus. Amen.